Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talkin' Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold it to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the south, we refer to it as the Gap Band. My God, this is going to be an absolutely barnstorming finish. Treat these tracks just for the fuel cars. Hell, Ray Charles could drive one of them damn things in his current state. Just listen to 351 work. Green is mine. Nine consecutive top two finishes. What's it mean to tie Jack Ingram's mark? Just imagine if all those seconds were wins. Torque and Power. Your motorsport and motoring podcast. Alright everyone out there in the World Wide Web, we are up to episode 6, you are listening to the Talk and Power podcast. He's back, I promised you all, he'd be back, he's back after his wedding and honeymoon. Simon, how are you mate? Good mate, good. Was it have a lot of fun? It was excellent, I uh, honestly can say that the, uh, the wedding, the reception... Uh, the honeymoon, everything was absolutely perfect. No, it was. It was a very good day. We had lots of fun. I told all our listeners in the last podcast how great it was, so no, it was very good. I'd like to point out that uh, this is our also our first podcast in the wet. It is. So, so all the Commodore drivers out there be up 100 <laughs> horsepower tonight. Oh, they would be, wouldn't they? (laughs) And I'm sure that at some stage or another we're going to hear one flying past the house. I'm surprised we haven't heard one yet, to be honest. It is the hoon capital of the world. Speaking of hooning... Hooning, yeah. Look, we've gone international this week. Did you know? We we had a mention on the Kibby and Finnegan show. Now, now... uh, let me get this right. Is this the the uh, guys from Roadkill? No, half. Half Mike the Finnegan, guy. Yeah, half. Mike Finnegan. He's it, from the uh, Roadkill. Is it the road part or the kill part? Road. It's we'll go road, with that. Yeah, road right. part. <laughs> yeah. So Mike Finnegan. He's he's part of the Roadkill uh, show. But Rob Kibby, He has the he has a podcast called the Muscle Car Place online. Uh, I've always listened to them. So the Kibby and Finnegan show. He he's responsible for. Well, they talk about Dukes of Hazard, so they they review each Dukes of Hazard episode one by one. Um, I dropped them an email because, in many ways, these guys were a bit of an inspiration of mine to to do what we do here. Um, and um, I didn't expect them to say anything. I just wrote them an email, uh, and let's just listen to uh, what they had to say. Nick. I'll try it, Nick. Nick December, I think, but it's spelled D-I-C-E-M-B-R-E. Nick December. G'day, Robert. Where is he from? Canada. G'day. That's how it starts. G'day, Robert. Oh, Australia. Yep, he is from Australia. So, my name is Nick December from Down Under. Love the Muscle Car Place and Kibby and Finnegan Show podcast. A good friend of mine and myself have also started a podcast down here called Torque Power. It is on iTunes and SoundCloud and hosted on my site. We talk drag racing, V8 supercars, F1, NHRA, NASCAR, and MotoGP. Nice. So if you want to hear the world from a upside-down perspective, 
go there. Torquepower.net. That's the website. And he, he sent me some other stuff too. And I, it was a little more personal. So I replied to that, but it was very, very nice. So Nick, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> Nick, sorry. Nick December. Yeah. Nick December. <laughs> That's all right, Robert. Well, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I don't know about the upside down perspective. I think yeah. we're the right way up. We are the right <laughs> way up. Thank you, Robert. But you know, you know what the problem with that is? Mm. If we're the right way up, that means Tasmania is the top of the world. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, well, we can't have that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when I was talking about Hooney, I was talking about the Winter Nationals. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, I, I missed that segue. Oh, we stuffed that one up, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, w- I would have to say that I believe Damien Harris is the quickest hoon over the quarter mile in he the world. He is now. He is. <laughs> yep, that is official. Let's just listen to it as it happened. Australia. And it won't be Larry. This is quick. 444. Damien Harris. 4.44. Some confusion over the time there. Four forty-three, four forty-four, forty-three, forty-four. It was a, a four forty-four. Now, now you know that mm. this is a, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, I guess, a emotional moment for me because who was tuning the car, Nick? Who did they have over to tune the car? Lee Beard. Yeah, Lee Beard. Lee That's Beard, correct, the yeah. man with the best hairstyle in all of drag racing he has got the best hairstyle eh? i love it when he walks past the headers and it kind of flicks up there like a <laughs> some sort of uh, shampoo ad yeah he's the silver fox hey eh? he's a legend he's he's uh, i wouldn't say he's my all-time favorite crew chief but he's definitely up there there's yeah, no doubt about yeah. it uh, incredible achievement um once again like the early days of top fuel in australia putting australia on the map worldwide mm. uh i know that you know they don't run to uh, 1320 anymore uh, for those of you that don't know that's the the length of the quarter mile in feet they only run to a thousand feet in america these days but still massive achievement yeah. um good on those guys and you know we all know how much it costs to run fuel mm. so yeah you know outstanding uh but you know me i'm a doorman yeah john yeah. zapier off the trailer yeah. off the trailer nick 564 it was an incredible achievement, one that I think hasn't been really highlighted. It kind of slipped under the radar, that one. This forty, The, the top fuel run was up there in lights, but Zap64 didn't seem to hit the lofty heights of social media that I would expect it to. Nick, it's, it's not just that he ran a 64, mm. it's that he did it first pass <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean like you can do a run and get out there with your traction meter and look at the air and go oh you know we can do this we can do that but if he did that on his first run where was he going was he going for a, like a 58 or <laughs> well i don't know if that i think that was his second run the first run was an abort it, it oh, had a misfire okay. yeah oh. it did, in the in the burnout it shut down oh, right it misfire but, but, that but was technically his... that was his first pass correct yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, is John Zapier? What can we say? You know, he, he, he is going places, and he literally is going places. He is. So, we had the official confirmation this week from uh, Noonan Racing that John Zapier will be participating in the last three PDRA races over in the US with a Jerry Bickle '69 Camaro Pro mod. So. 
I mean, it, you know a bit about the motor or the... Interesting, sorry. interesting to know. Mm. Mark Savage, the yep. cruise for Stevie, Stevie Fast, Fast, he used to work on this car. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Zap and I have been talking about this for a while because uh, he did think about switching to a converter, of which I said to him, bro, you've been using clutches your entire life. And, yeah. You know. So I believe that they're in the process of converting the car to a clutch. Yep. And uh, shout out to Bonafonte, because I think Bonafonte is supplying the clutch for the car. Yep. It's going to run a B&J. Yep. And yes, as you've noted, the new Noonan 4.9 bore spacing engine. Yep. Um, you know, he's going to be representing Australia in more ways than one, because it's obviously it's an Australian engine mm. and Australian driver, Australian team. Uh, both of us wish you all the best, Zap. We hope that um, you can go there and show them how fast these things can really go. Yeah, yep. And uh, stick it up the turbo cars. <laughs> <laughs> stick it up the turbo cars and the um, the North Americans. Um, I actually was a little bit cheeky when he ran that 64 Zap Racing, put the post on, and I said, can someone please tag in Mike Castellana? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, interesting uh, note about uh, Pro Mod, mm. right? Before we get into um, uh, Stevie Fast and you know what's happened, yeah, um, I was on the phone mm-hmm. and and uh, you don't know we haven't discussed this. This is not in the right? notes. No, Simon. it's not in the notes. Where are we going here? I was on the phone to my contact in the US. Yeah, right. And uh, we, you know, I was basically you know me. I'm having a cry that they dropped the overdrive limits. Right. Mm, yep. Okay. So this is how it came to be, and this is pretty spun out. So, Castellana, mm. as, as you know, ran really fast, yep. right? I think he actually reset the national record, is 68, that correct? 68, yeah. Yeah, okay. They went and checked his car, mm. right? You were allowed 20 over then, yep. right? He was running 16 and a half. You're joking. No. Nah. No, nah. and that was the NHRA said, whoa, what the... So, now, whether he's figured out that that's an efficient place for it to be or whatever, that was why they made the call. But this particular contact, he said to me, he goes, you know, this used to happen every year, even with the IHRA. Beginning of the season, they play around with the overdrives through Mm. the middle of the season, right? The, the air changes, and back in those days there wasn't any turbo cars, but the nitrous guys would go fast through the middle because they bring their atmosphere in a bottle. Yeah. Right? And what did we see at the last meeting? Right? Look at the mile an hour on mm. the turbo cars compared to the blown cars. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was interesting that he reset the record at 16 and a half over, but I think it's going to be interesting through the middle of the season to see what happens because I think the nitrous guys are going to step up and probably the turbo guys too. Yeah, right. Okay. So, speaking of the uh, the NHRA, mm. um, our, our mate Stevie Fast qualified 13th. Yeah, he was in the 13th spot. Um, probably not where he wanted to be. Uh, he did get through the first round, however. He did? Yep. He did. Um, now, he met top qualifier uh, yeah. Troy Coughlin. Now... Mm. Troy's car, obviously a turbo car. Yeah. Right. Like I said, nearly ten mile an hour difference mm. between the uh, the turbo cars and the blown cars. The turbo cars making it up in the second half. My contact over there says that they're sandbagging. Yeah, now right. I said to him, I think that they just don't know what they're doing, um, and once they get it right, they'll et a lot quicker. But he he still believes that they're sandbagging. Now the thing is. <laughs> Thing is, uh, Troy didn't go on to win the meeting, did he? No, he did not. 
The meeting was won by... Ricky Smith. Exactly. Tricky yep. Ricky. Yep. Okay. Now, he was saying to me that pro stocks become a big problem. Mm. Yeah. Like a very big problem. Okay. And NHRA, behind closed doors, has been putting some options together. Yeah. Right? Okay. Now, this is, this is unofficial, mm. right? And... To the best of my knowledge, I don't think anyone in the world, other than the people in the loop, uh, have have mentioned this to anyone. So this is, I guess, this is a, a, a groundbreaking first. Or you're hearing <laughs> here on the podcast episode. Sorry, talk and power podcast episode zero zero six, folks. <laughs> okay, so so what they have <laughs> what they have proposed is two options for pro stock right this you're hearing this first internationally Mm. on this podcast right option one is pro stock goes to oem style engines okay right so the ford would have the coyote okay the the gm whatever the latest ls or quad cam or whatever the heck we'll talk about that later what Mm. what what they've been uh sort of teasing us with um, and the Chrysler, the late model Hemi, right? More than likely in a supercharged configuration, yep. okay? And they run that, and they try and bring pro stock back to something that resembles stock cars rather than the, you know, steamrolled yep. plastic-bodied things that they are now, which are, you know, borderline funny cars. Mm. Um I don't know whether uh, they're going to try and use an OEM style body because, as we know, they have a class like that now that the the uh, Copco or Cop, Copo or whatever yeah, Camaro yeah, and Copo, I, Camaro. I don't know what's the Mustang version called. Um, the circuit one's the boy racer, but I'm not sure what the drag drag pack. They yeah, called I think the drag so, pack. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a drag pack, Cobrajet drag pack or something like that. It doesn't matter. It's, it's irrelevant. Mm. So so. And and Chrysler's got a few variations now with the the uh, uh, Dodge or the Demon Demon yeah. Demon. Yeah. That's it. Um, so they're looking at that, right? Or possibly option two is instead of running Pro Stock at all twenty four, twenty five, whatever rounds, yeah. right? They're going to run half of it Pro Mod mm. and the other half Pro Stock. Because okay. the pro mod guys don't want to run the full season. Yeah. Because even though it is, you know, I mean, obviously, top fuel nitro funny car is awesome. But aside from those two classes, you'd have to argue that pro mod yeah. is is the class. And obviously, it's gaining popularity and with celebrities no like, you know, Stevie Fast running in it. Mm. It, it has really got a lot of momentum at the moment. The thing is, though, what people don't realise, just like Australia with Top Door Slammer, most of the teams there are privately funded. Yep. There's only a handful of teams that have got big sponsorship and could look at the possibility of running a full season of NHRA and following yep. the tour. Most of these guys have got nine to five jobs back home and they race when they can afford to. Mm. So that that's the the problem uh, that they're faced with, whereas the pro stock guys are generally got some sort of sponsorship package yeah. going. So, yeah, some interesting, I wouldn't say exciting, but certainly some interesting times oh, ahead. And, and obviously, if the rounds of pro stock get 
cut back if they end up going down that road where it becomes like you know 12 rounds of pro mod 12 rounds of pro stock that's going to have some interesting ramifications for their sponsorship as well Um, and possibly force some of the pro stock guys to run pro mod and pro stock Mm. which would be very interesting because I mean, there's no doubt that those pro stock guys know how to get a car to go down a racetrack yeah. very efficiently. So if you had, and and we're seeing this with um, Larry Morgan, mm. you know, making the switch. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's just some it's some interesting stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, also some other interesting stuff that happened at the the NHRA with uh, Alexa DeJoria. <laughs> oh wow! I tell you what, she went right off. <laughs> she went right off. Let's just, I mean... Have you watched the run? Yeah, 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 yeah. She just drives across the track. Practically, yeah, yeah. It's wiping out all the timing blocks. But but it doesn't look like... You know, I mean, obviously, I've actually um, had something similar uh, to this happen. And when I do driver training, I always tell the drivers, put your head back you know hard up against the seat and this is this has been a point of conjunction between me and a few of the other uh, drivers because uh some drivers believe that if you put your head back against the headrest particularly with blown and probably nitro cars the vibration um on the launch affects your visibility yeah Uh, but the reality is that if you don't position yourself in some way you end up looking at the roof of your car rather than down the racetrack Mm. and because you didn't have the chin strap adjusted uh, correctly mm. that's what would have happened to her so she would have had no idea where she was going the thing is though right if you get in that situation you know i mean i would lift and and i think most you just go oh well, i stuffed up i'm gonna lose this race because or else i don't know where i'm going mm. to stay on it as long as she did oh, i don't know man like you know and then to admit it if she yeah. had said, oh, you know, we dropped a cylinder and the car drove across the track or something, yeah. at least try. But anyway, play it because it's pretty funny. I've had to edit out some of uh, some of the uh, the words here. So, look, oh, so when oh. this played, it wasn't edited? No. It went out no, live. No, it was oh live my Fox, God. Fox Sports 1. So oh, I've, had to, I've had to beep out some <laughs> of the words. Wait till you hear this. This is classic. So this is courtesy of Fox Sports 1. hear Dave Reeve come in on the end there and say our apologies for the language it was a live feed yeah, yeah see I, I thought that uh, that was it was bleeped out but oh no, my god me, and then in out. America America oh mm. swearing's not a no, that oh. F-bomb was in there left to right and center oh but, uh, yeah. yeah that's crazy that's crazy alright Nick we need to talk about the uh, the elephant in the room it needs to be done need to get this out so I can have all my emotional transitions. <laughs> Look, I, I'm not a close enough. I'm not an Andrew member, so I'll let you speak. I think all right, all so, of it, yeah. So, so I just want everyone to know, like, as Nick said at the beginning of the show, I got married. I went away for two weeks. 
I was I was on a cruise. I actually ran into Kyle Putland and Dean Putland and uh, uh, Dean's wife and, and Kyle's uh, girlfriend uh, on the cruise. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking drag racing. But um, you got to understand when you're on a cruise ship, there's no mobile reception. There's no internet. There's no Facebook. There's, there's none of that. So... This all came to you know, like as a bit of a shock to me when when I got back. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll let you read it because I, I, I get a bit emotional uh, reading this stuff. Okay, so this is straight off basically the Andrew website. Um, the CEO of Andrew has recommended a new structure, which the board has approved. It will see Andrew concentrating on its role as a sanctioning authority whilst continuing to manage the Summit Racing Equipment Sportsman Series. The new structure will be headed by a general manager in a leaner organisation. Current competition manager Brett Stevens has been appointed as the acting general manager to commence in June. Grant Goodall, the current CEO, has agreed to join the Andra board as an independent director commencing in July. Acting Chairman of Andra, Terry Jongen, had this to say. The streamlining of Andra will allow it to concentrate on member services. The board appreciated that Grant has recommended his own position be made redundant in the best interests of the sport and Andra. Grant has been an excellent contributor as the CEO of Andra and has achieved a great deal given the role was part-time and in a difficult period. The board, look for, sorry, the board look forward to Grant's continuing contributions as director and a mark there is confidence in going forward with the sport and Andra into the future. Andra remains a not-for-profit member-based organisation. Okay, so when you read between the lines there, mm. what's happened is they've run out of money. Right? They've run out of money because they dropped the licences yep. and they dropped the sanctioning fees. It's as simple as that. So effectively, Grant Goodall has sent Andrew broke right? trying to compete with the IHRA. That's, that's the reality of it. I mean, you can talk about it any other way, but when the financial figures come back, that's what it's going to say. Because if you drop Group 1 licences from like 1500 or whatever it was when I was racing down to, I don't know, 300 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is now... I mean, that's a lot of income that you're letting go. The sanctioning fees, etc., etc. Okay, so the the next part of this, I'll let you read. Okay, so this was from the Motor Mail. In light of this week's 400 Thunder announcement, Andrew would like to acknowledge that we are supportive of a single Group One series concept run by 400 Thunder. All right, we now, 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 I'll just cut you off there, right? Mm. So. When you read that, and, th and this is the thing, like the races that I've spoken to in the last couple of days, because remember, I've only been back in Perth a couple of days, right? It sounds like Andrew's going to be the sanctioning body, Thunder's going to run the, the, the Group 1 deal, okay? That's how I read it. Yeah. yeah. But when you read the press releases from Thunder, mm. it talks about the IHRA tracks and the availability of the day licences, which are $50, and mm -hmm. that they'll accept the Andrew Tech inspection. Now, the IHRA licence is 70 bucks. so if you've got to run two tracks, you're better off getting an IHRA licence anyway. That's right. right. So it, it just doesn't... You know, and I, I, I won't go into who 
I spoke to this morning about this in in depth, um, but you know it it doesn't really cement Andrew's position, and and this is the exact opposite of of what should have been happening and what was happening under Mal Bully. Mal mm. Bully was moving forward to to build a fitter, uh, more powerful Andra. So uh, the Thunder four hundred deal that the big problem with it regardless of whether it's ihra or andra is that they're going to be pushing this three-round format right now a lot of races like the three-round format because number one uh you you're not stuck into that uh if you don't make the eight you're not going to run in front of the crowd situation right you can show up and you're going to get to do your three laps and you know that's that's the way it is right or two laps or whatever it is right um but the the problem with the three round format is most people sitting on the hill can't tell you who won, mm. and this is what I found from Sydney. Uh, I I asked people that went to the race, let alone the ones that you know read about it on social media or watched it or whatever, and I have not been able to find out from one single person who won Top Door Slammer, oh. right? I- Gary Phillips, I think. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, how long ago was the Sydney round? Uh, the 5th to the 8th of May. You know, it's like a month ago, mm. right? And and to, I tonight... Had to, look, we had this discussion yesterday on the phone. That's why I really looked into it. To be honest, to find it was difficult. Yeah, I, you see what I mean? Like, when you do a traditional eliminations, you start with eight cars, then you've got four, then you've got two, and the winner's determined in that last pass of the day. Right, the three-round format might be better for the sponsors of the mm. cars, but it, it's it's not really it's it's like um, I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't validate the victory like an elimination, yeah. you know, concept does. And I don't know. I, I can tell you now, as a former Group One racer. Um, and I still speak to a lot of Group 1 races. I don't know how many guys will be running this three-round format in the next few years. I think a lot of people are just going to drop out of competition. And the thing is, you need to, as a track owner now, you need to pay a fee to get the show at your track. That's how how this whole deal works. And yeah. I think in the future... Uh, you're probably going to find that Thunder's going to try and sell franchises and you're not even going to be allowed to run unless you own a franchise. Yeah, okay. Right? Uh, so I'm lucky in my case because my car is gas legal. Yep. So I'll probably, you know, de-stroke or whatever the car and run it in, you know, double-A gas or oh, something yeah, like yeah. that, right? Um, so I'm not really two-phased. I'm kind of, you know, watch this space. Um, so, yeah, I don't know the long-term future of Andra and Thunder and, and Group 1 overall because I think we're going to end up a bit like we did uh, towards the end of the Winfield series where the tracks couldn't afford to run top fuel. Mm. So they might get one or two cars over to do exhibition. Yep. But to get a whole field, um, you know... And the other thing is, you know, when you've got a name like Thunder... It kind of tends to bring bad weather, and they seem to have a lot of rainouts, just like the the Winter Nationals. We, like, did, we didn't mention that. We talked about the Winter Nationals right at the start of the podcast, but I failed to mention Sunday got rained out. Yeah, got rained out. Another uh, outstanding performance at, at the uh, Winters was uh, Dominic Rigoli in the Rajab 300ZX. Oh, yeah. Um, didn't top qualify. 
but went out first pass, did a thousand foot shutoff, mm. right? Six eighty, put him third in. Uh, they combined super stock and super compact, which is something that you know we're going to have to look at combining the Group Two index classes yeah. in the long run. Um, now a lot of people have got the shits with that because they don't want to race. Uh, 10 second classes yeah. like a uh, CMSA car against the 6 second car but you know it is what it is yeah. like we used to do it in the old days mm. um, and and if you, you're undersubscribed I want to see 16 cars racing I don't mm. want to see you know 3 cars in this class and 4 yeah. and that you know so yeah he um, qualified 3rd and he's fairly confident and they tried some different stuff on the next 2 passes just to get a feel for how aggressive they could get and he's fairly confident that that car's got a 660. He's yeah, gone okay. 214 mile an hour in it. So mm. um, it was good to see Dom. So shout out to Rigoli's. And we uh, will endeavour to get an interview with, uh, with yeah. Dom in an upcoming yeah. uh, episode. So yeah, at, at this stage, the whole Thunder s- this sort of name tends to seem to bring the rain with it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And Sydney, I mean, you know, Winters was a washout. Mm. Sydney was a flop. Like yeah. it looked like there was two people in the crowd. Mm. Um are these guys going to be able to maintain this? Have they got a sponsor? Uh, you know, there's talk of a telephone company. There's, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of the three-round format. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking at my options that uh, if I continue racing, um, I'm probably going to uh, support the Australian Pro Street Association events. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. So maybe running Pro Extreme, hmm. you know, maybe set a car up for um, Drag Radial yep. or, or X275. I think that most of the young people out there, they love those classes. I do. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it, interesting times ahead. As far as WA goes, i got another bombshell for you, Nick. Oh, wow. We just, we got them. You haven't told me. No, this I haven't is, told you. This is unscripted, folks. <laughs> this is unscripted. And the reason I haven't told you is because, like I said to you, some of the stuff I'm going to bring up, I want to get your instant reaction, you know? <laughs> so... Um, the Perth Motorplex. Yeah. Okay, so I have got some groundbreaking information. So really? absolutely yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is hot off the press, like so hot off the press they haven't even printed it yet. Wow. Uh Rod Britton is gone. Really? Yep. Now, okay. Is that it? Is that no. the reaction I'm gonna no, get? No, 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 I'm 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 really nervous about posting a <laughs> podcast and he doesn't know. Who, Rod? Rod. No, no, he's working in Sydney. So, anyway, so Rod's gone and Ray Treasure's back. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I've been talking to races over the... Well, I've only been back in Perth the last couple of days. And um, we're looking forward to a massive season uh, this year of some awesome racing. A lot of the guys that haven't raced for a long time are coming back, specifically because they they couldn't deal with... uh, um, I don't want to call him Noddy. Uh, his real name is Kevin Prendergast. Yep. Couldn't deal with Kevin or uh, Rod Britton. Now, now personally, I, I've got to say this, right? I had a few run-ins with Rod uh, over the time. Yep. Um, but the track prep was pretty good. Yeah. Right? The only thing, like we've discussed this before, the time that it took for clean-ups mm. w- was pretty average. And the track prep on the Wednesday nights, oh, my God, like, it was incredible. But... Uh, Ray, as you know, is is you know, like he he's he's a bit of a god when it comes to yeah. this sort of thing. So, 
Um, and I'm sure that the Wednesday nights, because he's a big fan of the streetcar racing, is, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure the Wednesday nights are going to be just as good. So I'm looking forward to uh, this coming season. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much time I'm going to get to uh, spend down there now that I'm married. <laughs> so I've, got to, I've got to do my duties as a husband. But uh, bombshell, Ray Trish is back, Rod's gone. I don't know who... They've, they've got an interim uh, manager overseeing the place. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was already in the venues where system. Yeah. Uh, he's more of a like rock band type promoter guy, well known worldwide on the international yeah, okay. stage, right? Uh, but he's only there in the interim till they hire a proper manager. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You heard it first on Talk and Power. For the uninitiated or our listeners that are out of the listen for other sports like MotoGP, V8 supercars and, and Formula One and what whatever, Ray Treasure is an absolute gentleman, a scholar, and what he doesn't know about track preparation isn't worth knowing. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, above all, just a great guy, and I don't know I've said it, he's a gentleman, and I think... You know, if he's come back, watch watch this space. Yeah, yeah, it's a good look. I think that if we if Andrew survives this, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it's a good move or a bad move or whatever, we'll call it the good all move. <laughs> if, if Andrew survives the good all move, um, and with Ray back in WA, I think that the drag racing in WA is going to... Certainly from a competitor's point of view, it's going to move forward. Now, the thing that everyone needs to realise is that basically everyone that competes down there brings 10 spectators with That's them. That's right. Yep. right. So if you get 100 more competitors, you get 1,000 more spectators, mm. right? And then those spectators generally have mates that come along and it doesn't take long for that 1,000 to turn into 2,500. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a good season. I've I've heard unofficially, and mm. and I, I can't I can't say that this is definite, but I've heard unofficially that the drift cars are gone. Oh God, you'll be happy about that, <laughs> won't oh, you? God, you know, look, I got nothing against drifting. I think it's an incredible sport, incredible skill level. I I certainly don't think that I could ever do it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure that those people that come to the drags pay to watch drag racing. And and I believe that they're going to... Everything that we talked about in the, in the early episodes about having videos going, showing the technical mm. aspect and uh, getting more discussion about how and why and what kind of effort and dollars, etc. is involved in getting these cars to go down the track. I, like, I've been told that they're going to focus on that so when there's an oil down they're going to get it cleaned up faster yep. and they're going to try and use that time to educate the crowd rather than you know because the thing was you know part of the reason i didn't know this until today part of the reason that it took so long to do the cleanups is because they weren't allowed to be in certain areas while the drift cars were on oh God. so what's the point of having the drift cars no, on that's right you yeah. know no, so no Anyway, it, it really is a big thing for WA Drag Racing. And like I said, if we can keep Andrew going mm. and and have Ray uh, running the show locally and hopefully have an overall manager that isn't going to conflict with Ray because if we get someone in there that conflicts with Ray, forget it. Ray yeah. will walk. He doesn't yeah. need it, yeah. right? 
Um, I think we've got some exciting times ahead for this yeah. season. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, your favourite MotoGP. You know, I wanted to talk about this last because it, oh, is, okay. it is the most awesome. But no, you know, you brought it up now. Um, the last two rounds, Nick. Now, now for those of you that don't know, right, if you try to talk to Nick about anything other than V8 supercars and a little bit of drag racing, right, you kind of get this snobby look and he'd walk away, right? And, and I said to him when we started doing this together, I said, listen, you're going to need to watch the MotoGP because... You know, we, we need to have some motorbike discussion in amongst this. And I, I'll tell you, when the season starts, um, I'm going to be keeping... A, a, this is the drag season in WA. I'm going to be keep close, close eye on what Rangs does because uh, as far as um, comp bike races, right, that guy is, like, not my hero. He's, like, a god to me because he races his street bike in comp bike and quite often wins yeah and then rides the bike to work the next day and that is just like it's like imagine driving your top alcohol funny car to work after you've you've won you know like (laughs) awesome so moto gp i said to nick look you got to watch it for the show right and and nick now you tell me are you converted i am yeah no you're right i couldn't get over that first race in the first race but the, the race in italy how close that was i really could not get <laughs> how many times was there a lead change i lost count actually <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make a note but there was quite a few i could not believe but not only that is the amount of tail slide in those things well look you know you, you're dealing with a, a lot of power yeah and and a tire that if you go for a hard compound tire Okay, you're going to start off with a slidey tire at the beginning of the race, right? And it's going to get better as as the mm. race progresses. If you start with a, a you know medium or a soft tire, uh, you might have a good tire at the beginning of the race, but towards the end, it's it's going to you know it's going to start going off and the you know the back of the bike. The other thing that um, different riding styles, you can back the bike into the corner. I know that when I go and have a bit of a play down at Barbagallo's, I don't mind the, mm. the rear being, you know, a little bit loose and, and sliding it in. But, I mean, the, the thing is, those guys, it's like the whole bike sliding. It looks like yeah. they're on the edge of high-siding the bike, you know, constantly. And the reality is the races that I've spoken to that have raced at a high level, um, that's how it is. And that's why Australia's been very successful because a, a lot of our riders, or Australians, I should say, have been very successful. A lot of our riders started off in the dirt. So they're used to this feeling of the bike kind of moving around under them. You know, when yeah. they get on the bitumen and they have that feeling, they're not really worried by it. But, I mean, th- there's a story within this story, mm. right? Now, we've got three marks there. Yep. Honda, Yamaha, and Ducati, mm. right? And... Although they might be uh, faster on some corners or faster on the straights, they are, in my opinion, evenly uh, matched. Yeah. Okay? And I don't think Suzuki's that far away. I think that a little bit more development on the bike and, you know, the riders, either the current riders, just getting more experience or possibly doing what everyone else does and poaching a guy that, you know, you know has got winning experience, right? Yep. The story within the story is that in the early days of Ducati getting involved, Honda 
uh, and Yamaha both realised that if they could get another mark up to speed, it was going to make for exciting racing, mm. right? So they allowed Ducati to have more motors, more test days, etc., right, to help them, to give them a leg up, right? I've got to ask you, why isn't Mercedes, right, approaching Formula One and saying, listen, Honda needs a hand. We need to have, you know, let them have the next lot of uh, engine upgrades. Let them have more test days. Let them get up to speed. Why are they not doing that? Because they're greedy. Well, oh, yeah. you know, it's going to kill the sport. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and uh, we'll get back to the, the, the MotoGP. Yeah, okay. right. Yep. The, the the Formula One, the Canadian Grand Prix, mm. right? And it was great to see Lewis get his 65th pole and, and uh, uh, tying Ayrton Senna's record. Mm. I, I don't think that there's anyone on the planet that follows motor racing that, you know, doesn't see Ayrton Senna as a, you know, like... Yeah. Just a, a person that, that had a huge impact on, on everyone's lives, like through his life so on and so forth so it was fantastic to um uh to see that and you know i'm not a hamilton fan right no neither am i um and uh, to see him win mm. you know like it just it all tied in worked out great yeah right um but the the bullshit that happened uh with the uh the um uh red bull car uh sneaking in there and and taking out the um uh, the front spoiler on on uh, uh, Vettel's Ferrari, mm. you know uh, that's not a racing incident. That's that's bullshit, you know. And and it it changed the outcome of the race. Yeah, no doubt. Right, yeah. it had a big impact. Now he worked hard, right? Mm. Like as far as I'm concerned, he was the guy to watch in that race because he he was pulling moves out of nowhere. Mm. And you know, like yeah, they put a new nose cone on it, but. You know, we've both talked about this. The damage that was underneath the car, you couldn't see that. And that's yeah. going to affect the car. And those things are, are like, mm. that precise, you know. So... Well, he dropped back all the way to the 18th. That's well, what, yeah. Literally last and, and managed to come up to fourth. It was interesting. He actually reckons another couple of laps he would have had um, Hamilton in the scope. I, I believe it. I mm. believe it. But the the thing that frustrated me was that Oh, it was just a racing incident, mm. you know, and the Red Bull chief, like, just, just played it down. It's yeah. like, nah, yeah. what he did was dumb, you know, mm. and, and oh, we dodged a bullet because he didn't get a puncture, and that's the risk that you take. Well, a lot of bullshit. Mm. Like, it, you imagine if that happened in V8s, you know, it'd be like a 10-second or stop-go or yeah, ban yeah, from yeah, three yeah, races, yeah. $50,000 fine, you yeah, know. yeah. No, I, I was disappointed with the race as well. I was really disappointed with Max Verstappen as well. I mean, Max, I think you got a lot of talent, but let's let's just listen to him here. And uh... at the moment, I'm uh, I'm a bit fed up with it. I mean, I I keep recharging and keep coming back every weekend, you know, from zero. But a lot of things happen lately, uh, which is not nice. I guess that's racing in one in one way as well. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely not enjoying it at the moment. This is coming from a guy in one of the leading cars or, you know, the Red Bull team. He's driving the Red Bull car. He's up there. If you were Fernando Alonso in a Honda <laughs> that's making 30 horsepower, 
I could understand. Max, seriously, I'm calling BS. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what, Nick? I, I was thinking exactly what you just said. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, well. At the end of the day, where did his teammate finish? Third, <laughs> exactly. And and you know, shout out to Dan. Yep. Awesome drive. Um, you know, obviously, I would have liked to have seen the Ferraris uh, in there. Mm. Um, but you know, Formula One really needs to have a look at their structure, have a look at the way things are going and take a page out of the MotoGP because as far as all the motorsports go, right, anyone that sits down and watches a race from start to finish MotoGP, even if you're not a motorsport fan, you will be by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I agree 100%. Uh, You know, I mean, Lewis may have won and Daniel came through, but the hero of the race for me was uh, Captain Picard. Yeah, you know, you know, everyone's making a big deal about the shoey, right? Yeah. You know, I, I said to Nicole, who is this guy? I don't know who Captain Picard <laughs> I didn't, is. I didn't know who he was. Star Trek Enterprise. Next nah, generation. Nah. Nah. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Nah. Didn't know. You know, I was like, oh, this guy's apparently famous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nah. Nah. Don't know. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> Do you want me to play it? What's that? Do you want me to play the... Would you like some? Uh, I'd love some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come really? on. Oh. You've done it before. You're a good man. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Look, I saw it on TV, mm. and uh, you know that. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. I wouldn't do it. Uh, neither would I. You yeah. know, because, like, there'd be a lot of sweat going on in those shoes. <laughs> now, look, I have had many discussions regarding this this particular, this shoey thing with good friends of mine. We do not see eye to eye. Personally, me, I would never do it. But I don't have an issue with Daniel. If that's his little thing, that's what he wants yeah, to do. Yeah, I, hey, I agree. Out. I think it's, it's cool had. that he's... he's uh, I mean, he didn't need to because what he needs... Look, I'm going to say it again. When is Ferrari going to give him a drive? It has has to be. You know, an Italian in an Italian car. I mean, you're going to have all of Australia following him, all of Italy following him. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Anyway, and he he can drive. You can't argue that he can drive. There's no ifs or buts, but... Yeah, they need to get the Hondas up to speed. There's uh, Force India. Where did that come from? Yeah, I know. That was a bit of left field, wasn't it? Now, now the thing is, do you know about the controversy between the, the yeah, team? Mm. What do you think about that? Because there's been a lot of podcast discussion about this. I don't have any problem with it at all. I don't have a problem with Perez um, or digging his heels in and not giving that position up. But what do you feel about the team orders? What do you think about... I, do you think it, teams should be able to do that? Yes. They should? Yes. But I don't have an issue with a driver not adhering to it either. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one. I don't... I'm going to... And, and I'm not a fence sitter. You know mm. me. I'm no, opinionated no. one way or the other. But I'm going to sit on the fence with this one because on the one hand, imagine if you crash both cars. And we've seen this happen in the yeah, MotoGP. Yeah. We've seen it happen in V8 supercars. We've seen it happen in... The, Very often too. Right? So, so from a team owner's perspective, you know... I sort of think, you know, but from the racing, from a spectator's perspective, you want to see a race. Yeah. You don't want to see someone pull to the side. The only thing was that Ocken had the tyres to go after. Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's what the yeah. the uh, 
the bottom line was. The really embarrassing thing was that um, Vettel just passed them like they were standing. Yeah, still. I know, I know, I know, I know. So. Now, you know, there's been some discussion that he came in hot and mm. he ran him wide, but I mean, he looked like he had the line to me. Ah, it looked, it looked, good looked to clean me. to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it looked nah. clean to me. We gave it the go ahead, Sebastian. So, so the V8s. Yeah, look, we've had a unique couple of weeks where there's been no racing, actually. So um, the one thing that I came across, however, the new Holden Commodore V8 supercar, when they initially launched this car at the start of the year, it was going to have a twin-turbo V6. That suddenly changed midway through the year. So the new 2018 Commodore will still have the HMS Holden Motorsport 5-litre racing through much of next year. Triple Eight have said that they will aim to get a twin turbo V6 in the car probably for the later part of the year and only be one car. But what I found interesting was that the statement from V8 Supercars, and I'll read it out. (laughs) Holden's decision to homologate the next-gen Commodore with the existing V8 engine has been welcomed by privateer teams. Having originally planned to introduce the new Commodore body and V6 turbo engine as a package, the manufacturer confirmed this morning a staggered rollout across 18-19. Teams will be able to carry their existing engines into the new body for 2018, while factory squad Triple Eight completes further development on the V6 via a series of wild cards. Now I can only imagine that'll be maybe Bathurst, perhaps Clipsal in 2019. I, I really don't know. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on. I mean, we've been talking about this sport going down a path that we weren't particularly happy with. What do you think about this? All right, so first things first, right? You've got to look at the perspective that uh, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, Mm. right? So we go back to the Group C days. You had this continual rhetoric between Alan Moffat with, you know, what he was allowed to and not allowed to do the rotary engine, uh, the Holden guys with the weight of the Fords, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day cams managed to keep it so that it was pretty even right uh the falcons were faster on long straights right the the uh, bmws and and uh mazdas and so on were better on the tight tracks with the twisty bits yep right and the commodores sort of fit in there in between or the holdens i should say fit Mm. in between right what that allows you to do is have lots of overtaking manoeuvres. Yeah. Because the Falcon will blow past you on the straight and then, you know, whatever will cut you off in the corner and then the long, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's this, this continual movement among the cars, right? Yeah. The way the V8s work now is any of the engines that are developed have to make their torque at a particular RPM and they have to make a particular horsepower and they can only rev to a particular RPM, Right which restricts them in what they can do. Mm. If you let nature take its course, you'd find the overhead cam V8s would make more power at a higher RPM, and the pushrod ones would tend to make more torque at a lower RPM, or, you know, the cylinder heads or whatever. There'd be lots of factors that would influence it, and the engines would end up completely different in the way that they drive on the track, 
and they would have different effects. V8 supercars have tried to come up with this box and say we want all these engines to fit into this box, right? So no doubt these turbocharged engines will have a boost limit that they'll decide. Yeah. They'll have uh, a camshaft designed in a particular manner. Whether they're going to work in that environment remains to be seen. And I think big teams like Triple Eight are nervous about it, mm. right? Because you don't want something that pulls out of the corner and it's laggy. Yeah. You know, you don't want something that's got that much grunt that when it pulls out of the corner, it blows the tires off. You know, what gearing are you going to run with these? Are they still going to work within that seven thousand or seven thousand five hundred RPM rev limit? Yeah. There's all these factors that they need to take into consideration. So, the word homologate, right, is misleading because traditionally that means that you build X amount of number of a standard factory vehicle yeah. with that engine combination to to make it available, right? What they're referring to is homologated for the V8 supercars. In other words, have a package, an engine package that okay. makes the power. Right you know what I mean? That's 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 what they're saying. The interesting thing here is that you look at NHRA Pro Stock, right? They said from this year onwards you've got to go EFI, mm. okay? And it's turned into a flop. Cars went slower, right? What the V8s are doing here, I mean, as much as you know, I don't really like the class at all. Mm. But what they're doing smart is because they're going to let the teams develop this stuff and run it concurrently. And then eventually, when they've got the Turbo V6 going better than the V8, yep. right, then everyone's going to switch to it. Mm. Yeah, okay. This is what NHRA should have done with Pro Stock. They should have let them run the Carbies, but you can run this as well, mm. right? And the guys would be dynoing the new combinations and looking and looking and looking until they found something. Yeah. And when they found something, then they'd bolt them in the cars. When they bolted them in the cars and they went fast, the other teams would be going, ooh, we need to do this. We need, you know, they're going quicker than us now. Mm. And I can't see why you wouldn't be able to go quicker with EFI over carbies, yeah. right? Simply because you can put the fuel into the intake runner wherever you want so mm. theoretically you should be able to you know do some magic there and the other thing is you can get that fuel curve to do whatever you want you know yeah. so i think that the v8s are actually being quite smart in doing it now the unfortunate thing is that i believe that this is going to give the holding guys an advantage moving forward mm. and and you know but i mean it is a good thing in one way because we're introducing a new combination which should mix things up yeah you know whether it makes them quicker out of the corners or faster on the straights remains to be seen that strange box system that uh avesco or whoever it is that, that that controls it now has where you've got to make the power at this rpm blah 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 i don't agree with that i mm. think it's a crock of shit because yeah. if this is a premier class you know, I mean, what they've turned it into is NASCAR. Yeah. NASCAR corners, you know, and that that kind of sucks a little bit because Group C, to me, was pretty awesome. And even Group A, to a certain extent, you know, I mean, a lot of people didn't like seeing the, the Aussie V8s beaten by um, the Turbo 4s and the mm. Turbo 6s. But it is what it is. Mm, you yeah. know what I mean? No, I was just... 
it's also interesting to see I haven't put it in the notes but I don't know what the Nissan Kelly brothers are doing either at some point they got to ditch the Ultima I mean they're not even bringing it in anymore well there's lots of things I mean isn't there a lawsuit with the Volvos as well yeah, yeah. you know so I don't know it, look I, I um I just wish that we could go back to a formula like we had in Group C where the cars were closer to road-going cars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a sad situation. But anyway, on, on that note, um, there's some big changes afoot with the, uh, the import laws and... Yeah. Um, you know, okay. So, so what we had in Australia was uh, we had tariffs on imported cars um, under a scheme uh, that was referred to as the Infant Industry Scheme, right? So, because the car industry was just kicking off in Australia, the government said, "Well, you know what? We'll subsidise you a little bit, right? But we don't want the taxpayer paying for this. So, what we'll do is we'll impose import duties." on uh, cars that, you know, were coming in manufactured from overseas and we'll use that money to subsidise the Australian industry, mm. right? And they also had, like, a heap of restrictions. So in the early days, you had to have X amount of local content in your car, which is why uh, the brakes on Australian cars are different to the Japanese manufactured cars, etc. Yeah. You know, like, so you might have a, a Corolla that was built in Japan, but it's got... PBR brakes on it, yeah, okay, you know, or a Borg Warner diff. You know, yep. this is this is how they they got around it. Um, so now that we don't have uh, an auto industry anymore, uh, basically, you know, they, they're slowly but surely rewriting these laws. So mm. what what um, Abbott's proposing? I'll let, I'll let you actually because you, you you're you're a bit more full bottle, but I'd like to add a bit to this because. Um, I actually rang a couple of people that this affects directly to get their comment, and, and uh, I, I want to discuss this. So I'll let you... Uh Look, I'll just read it out verbatim here. The Australian car market is about to get a huge shake-up under the Turnbull government. Changes that will allow individuals to import new cars from other countries with two years will now be allowed to bypass the currently heavily taxed import regime. Changes to the Motor Vehicle Standards Act come as the Australian industry winds down and local production ceases next year. Under the new laws, in 2018, consumers will be able to import a new car or motorcycle from countries with comparable Australian standards. It must not be more than 12 months old and have no more than 500 kilometres on the odometer. A full list of countries with comparable standards is yet to be determined, but amongst right-hand drive producers, both Japan and UK Ready meet the benchmarks. While this won't affect new cars in the low-end market, it will have a huge impact on the already booming high-end sector, with consumers able to bypass the hefty Australian tax local luxury brands charge for imports. The move will also drive down used car prices across the board, but again, most in the higher end of the market. The government will also amend the 21-year-old Customs Tariff Act introduced by the Keating government to remove the $12,000 special duty on imported used vehicles from 2018. Okay, now, 
for for those of you that don't really get what that means, I'm going to give you an example, right? Mm. So if you buy a brand new Rolls Royce Phantom, yep, from the couple of dealers that we've got over here, I think you're looking at about 1.1 million dollars, mm-hmm. right? If you were to bring one in, right, from England, brand new, landed at your doorstep, you're looking at 500000 under these new laws. Yeah, right. Right? A $600,000 saving. Now, not all of that is going to the dealer, but a pretty big chunk, right? Now, like I said, I spoke to a couple of people that this directly affects, and... I was a bit surprised because I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Thing is, though, why do we need, number one, why do we need this 12-month, 500-kilometre clause? Mm. Why? Why why does it need to be that new? Why can't it be any age? Yeah. Right? I, I, I don't get that, and I think that there's some underhandedness going on and and so do these people. They all think that there's something dodgy about this. Yeah, why, okay. why does it have to be a brand new car? You know, what difference is it going to make? Because that car that's brand new today, in 12 months' time, it's exactly the same car, isn't it? That's right, yep. Right? So what's changed? Nothing. Mm. Okay? So I, I don't think that we should have that clause. I think that if you're going to do this properly... Right? Whatever you want to bring in, bring it in. So people are going to argue, because I've spoken to a few people, two people that it directly affects, and a few people that it, you know, just for public comment, okay? Oh, what about the safety features? Well, what about the safety features? Because I'm pretty sure that anything they sell in America, or England, or Japan is going to meet our safety standards. Now, we've got this thing called the Australian Design Rules, the ADRs, right, which our car manufacturers have to abide by, right? The ADRs are kind of not really put together that well, right? Now, now, I used to be an ADR compliance officer, Mm -hmm. right, when I worked for Boomerang Engineering. So what an ADR compliance officer does is it goes to the tail light manufacturer the axle manufacturer, the brake manufacturer, suspension manufacturer, etc., etc., and he lists it all on a piece of paper, and he says this is the combination. He sends that bit of paper to Canberra. Canberra supplies a compliance plate with with all the numbers that it complies with all these parts of the ADRs, and and that's it. Whether that is going to make the car any safer or not uh, remains to be seen. So this, although it's a move in the right direction. We haven't got an industry to protect anymore. Mm. So what we should be doing is completely deregulating it, yeah. right? And saying, bring in whatever you want. As long as it goes over the pits, the brakes work, the indicators work, it's got good tyres on it, it, it isn't dangerous, it doesn't leak oil, etc., etc. then why shouldn't we be allowed to have yeah. it? Yeah, no, I agree. You know? I agree. If, if you want to bring an EPA restriction on it, it's got to be a year-based thing. Mm. You can't expect a 1992 car to meet 2017 standards. Yeah. And it doesn't make any difference if that car's on the road on the other side of the world or not. Mm. So I'm hoping that we can generate a little bit of noise with this mm. and get people together. Because the, the problem with Australia in general when it comes to politics is that 
we're a bit lazy and this stuff gets railroaded through parliament because we just don't write letters to ministers and yeah. can't be bothered so i'm proposing that we discuss this again in the next podcast and maybe if if one of our listeners wants to start uh like a change.org or, or something like that um uh petition uh so that we can we can get some um, action on this and, and tell the Australian government, tell Malcolm Turnbull that we don't want you know, one year 500 kilometre restriction on this, we want to be able to bring in whatever the hell we want Yeah. you know yeah. alright, let's talk about the MotoGP <laughs> <laughs> trying so to save it to last put- but you know, it's not going to happen <laughs> oh, we can make it this to last I mean, <laughs> no, 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 can- no. Let's, so uh, alright, we'll start at Mugello okay, yeah. so, yeah, you go. You go. All right. So, so the dream team. Okay, we're in Italy, right? We're gonna, the dream team. We, we've got an Italian motorbike. We've got an Italian rider, Andrea Davizioso, and he goes. He goes pole, mm. number one, yep. top qualified, right? Incredible race. Lead changed. I don't know how many times, mm. right? Um, in in the MotoGP circuit. Uh, they refer to those guys that that you know are at the top end uh, as aliens. Yeah, they kind of look like aliens a little bit with the helmet on. But, <laughs> but what they can do with those motorcycles is out of this world. Yeah, it really is. Um, I cannot think of a better result for Ducati, for Italy, mm. Davizioso, for MotoGP. Yeah, than an Italian rider on an Italian bike winning the Italian MotoGP at Mugello. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. It was an incredible race to watch. It was like I was on the edge of my seat from start to finish. Mm -hmm. It was amazing the amount of times the lead changed, the overtaking manoeuvres. Any one of those four could have won that race. Uh, I think uh, the Vizioso, he's good on the tyres. He can make them last. Um, It was an amazing... and, And now we've seen... You know, a, a, a Frenchman on the podium at Le Mans. Yeah. We've seen an Italian win, right? And, you know, look, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a Rossi fan as much as everyone mm. else, but this was probably a better result yeah, than, than you could yeah. dream for. Now, whatever Ducati's found, they found something because we move on, Catalunya, right? Spanish GP, you're expecting Pedrosa. Yeah. Or one of those guys, one of the Spaniards, you know, Marquez. Mark Marquez, yeah. one of them to win it. And, you know, Davizioso, he didn't qualify that no. crash hot, you know. It, 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 I think he started on the second row. Yeah. Right? Um, and and the race starts. There was a bump. Did you see the bump? Yeah, I did, yeah. Well, yeah. that was pretty full on. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that, to be honest. And that was that was uh, Lorenzo that yeah, got yeah. hit, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, boy, yeah. Okay, so um, we get through all of that rubbish. The pace gets set. Four guys out there in front, mm. right? Um, the leads, you know, not pretty. All look pretty settled there with the two Hondas. Yeah, you know, to VTA. So he's just nipping away, yeah. nipping away, conserving his tires. Right, everyone's going. Is he riding flat out? Are the Honda boys being conservative, mate? He gets on that straight, 
And he he made those Hondas look like they'd ran out of gears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was nine laps to go, and I thought, oh, he's taking the piss a bit here. <laughs> he's just like pulled out, got out in front, and just basically kept that that lead pretty what, much constant. What do you mean? He he had like one and a half seconds, and he could have kept on pulling away. That last lap, I don't know if you watched him. He come around the corner and he slowed right down and looked over his shoulder. Like, yeah, like, where are they? <laughs> No, it looked like he was conserving tyres near the end. To oh, I don't know, but that's that's how that's how I saw it anyway. But but it was good to see Lorenzo come back. However, he, yeah, he came yeah. back. So, you know, that, right that, at the end. There. That was uh, an incredible ride, and you know, I'm not a Lorenzo fan, mm. but um, you know, that was an incredible ride. Like yeah. Yeah. he, um, if there was a few more laps in that race, God knows what would have happened. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean. I think the disappointing one out of out of that uh, whole lot was um, oh, Lorenzo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was a good ride. Like mm. he, he came back a long way, but he, you know, like he, he had a commanding position at the beginning of the race, and then I don't know what happened. It was like, you know, he dropped a cylinder or something. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he fell right back. He worked hard to get back in there, um, but. Yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to, you know, hear from Ducati mm. uh, as to what happened there because, um, anyway, nonetheless, that's two from two. Yeah. And, and it has catapulted yeah, it his, has. his position in the points. Yeah. So he's, uh, I think, seven points behind now in yeah, second position. Mm. Uh, so the outcome of these two races has completely changed... Uh, certainly, my expectations of what the the, the results would be mm. in terms of the championship, um, but dramatic. And you know, this is what makes good racing, yeah. where you've got different manufacturers, different riders, plenty of of uh, uh, lead swaps, plenty of position changes as the race plays out. And this is in a sport that doesn't have pit stops. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, none of this pit stop strategy rubbish. They are just out there riding. So why is it that Formula One and V8 supercars can't get racing like this happening? Well, it's only the pit stops in in V8 supercars and, a- Formula, and Formula One, one. That, makes it, that makes a race. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, that's what we got. It's, it's all pitch strategy is, we, is where the racing is. We probably didn't really touch on it uh, a great deal in Monaco because that race hadn't been in our last recording, but there were no lead ch- there was no passing. There was only one Jensen Button who rolled that poor guy over. That was it. You know, there was yeah, no and passing that's, at all. And that's not racing. Mm. That's no. like follow the leader. Yeah, yeah, you it know, was. This is the only circuit motorsport worth watching now yeah right and i challenge anyone out there to show me any racing of any description that's half as exciting as the moto gp mm. now i don't know whether they're going to make the tracks wider for the for the, the you know the four-wheeled variety but they've got to do something because i'll tell you what people are just getting bored watching formula one v8 supercars yeah it's, it's just you know yeah so you know, if you're not watching the MotoGP, you should be. Yeah, yeah, I endorse that statement as well. I fully endorse that. All right, so I think we've covered... Oh, Richard Hammond. Yeah, old Richard Hammond, he's had another stack. 
another stack. You know, it was 10 years since, was that 11 years, sorry, since his last stack, the jet car. He's um, taking the old electric car out and... Uh, have you seen the video? I don't know if yeah, you've seen the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a he, he went into that corner too hot. Yeah, way too hot. Way, yeah, way yeah, too hot. Yeah. Now, the thing is, did he think that the onboard computer was going to correct it? Is that the premise there? Because, like, um, the new GDRs, mm. uh, Simon Lesby, I think his name, he used to work for Eddie at Actives. Yeah. Um, he was... Uh, I won't say where and whether it was on the road or not, but I happened to be somewhere. He was driving a new GDR and he came around a corner and it looked to me like he was going to completely lose it. (laughs) And I happened to be standing in the path of this car at the time. And this is the current, the R35. And it kind of collected itself Mm. and headed in the direction where he pointed. Yeah. Right? And I said to him after, I said, dude, I thought you had completely lost it and were going to take me out. And he goes, nah, those things, you kind of point them where you want to go. <laughs> they just go yeah, there, okay. right? Yep. So, theoretically, now now my old uh, E46, right, 99 model, mm. so it's, you know, 18 years old. It's got uh, advanced stability control. You can throw that into a corner, right? And I don't know what it does, brakes, throttle, you know, timing, whatever. It kind of just gathers itself up and it goes where you point it. Yeah. Right? Two-wheel drive, you know, uh, old technology. Theoretically, with the technology we got now, mm. right, you should be able to build, particularly an electric vehicle, yeah. where you've got decisive control of all four of those motors. Right? Mm. You can make those motors accelerate, decelerate, whatever. You would think that you'd, you know, especially something that was like three million bucks worth or something. Yeah, it was $3 million. Yeah, right? So so you'd think that that thing would be smart enough that if it started to slide, the G-meter would go, oh, well, I've lost traction. I've got to hmm. do something, you know. Yeah. But clearly not. No. And, no. and um, yeah, like you said, the jet car 11 years ago, I mean, he nearly died yeah, in the jet that car. Yeah, that was really bad. Let, let's listen to Richard here and what he had to say. Hello. Yes, it's true. Um, I've been there again. Uh, net result being I'm here in a hospital in Switzerland. Um, this is my knee that they're going to turn from this into this, giving me a Swiss army knee, hopefully later today. I'd like to thank all of the medical professionals who got me by air ambulance from the crash to this hospital and have dealt with me ever since. I'd like to say thank you as well to James May, who smuggled a bottle of gin in for me last night. I shouldn't have said that out loud. And most importantly, sorry to my wife Mindy and my daughters is in Willow. I'm sorry for being such a colossal yeah. All right. Thanks, James. Thank you. More news later. Heal. So that was courtesy of the uh, the grand tour. Um, so is from he his gonna, hospital bed. Is he going to use the Swiss Army knee to open the <laughs> bottle of gin? <laughs> Did you see the car caught like well, straight away? He got out and bang, it was up in yeah. flames. I must yeah. say, and it melted. Yeah, the whole car melted. <laughs> It must have had some Samsung Galaxy batteries on board. That <laughs> That's probably what it was, eh? Galaxy 7, powered by Galaxy 7. Um, anyway, lucky to get away with that one. Now, apparently he had made a promise to his wife yeah. um, just before this that he yeah. wasn't going to do any more stunts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyway, it is what it is. I, I haven't had a chance to watch this uh, new show yet. Um, no, neither have I actually. Top no. Gear is kind of gone down the road of the V8 supercars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't used to watch Friends, um, and 
uh, I can't watch Top Gear now because it's got him on it, and it just reminds me of Friends. Look, I, I, I was always a, I, I didn't mind Friends, and I was a bit of a Joey Tribbiani fan in oh, the day. But come on, man, his, his character was shit. Yeah, really. Oh, it was, it was know, the nineties, mate. Give me a break. Yeah, but right. you know, you know what? You, you're right. a dumbass walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, remember, we had Sopranos. Yeah, that's now, that true. was that was. That's uh, true. <laughs> Christopher you know, Chris, yeah, Chris is a legend. Twin. <laughs> <My> twin. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of prototypes, Nick, you've been hassling me about this mid-engine Corvette. Well, I'm just interested to know what 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 are they doing over there in Kentucky at, at bowling? What are they called? the bowling well, green? Well, well, listen, mate. Right, since the days of uh, Duntov, right. Uh, the mid-engine Corvette mm. concept has been around. So, so the first was the uh, Serve C E R V, which stands for Chevrolet Engineering uh, Engineering Research Vehicle. Yeah, Sherv One, which was a mid-engine single-seat Formula One inspired or of the era. Um, you know, 1959, I think uh, they built it. Um, serve one then they built the serve two which is a two-seater uh open top uh, it was around 63 64 that they built that they were gonna uh compete against the gd40 good luck with that one gm um <laughs> compete against the gd40 and uh, actually interesting note the the serve two right uh, mid-mounted engine configuration and used two power glide transmissions and was four-wheel drive so really it was amazing it was way ahead of its time uh, had an all-aluminium 377 cube small block, um, and it was capable of going over 200 mile an hour with a zero to 60 uh, in less than 2.8 seconds. Yeah. So we haven't really, we haven't really no, gone haven't. anywhere. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that was what? That was 63. 63 to 64. They developed that Crazy. car, right? And uh, later on, that particular car ended up getting a 427 ZL1 all-aluminium big block. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the performance figures on that. That was in in. Uh, uh, 1970 and uh, basically got rebodied and got turned into the um, uh, Serve 3, I believe. Right then, in uh, Astro 1 came out at 68, still uh, mid engined, and the Astro 2, also known as the XP 880. Um, Really, if you look at the styling of, of the XP880 or, or uh, Astro 2 1968, you can see where the, the second generation Stingray got its yeah. um, styling from. Uh, now, around this time in the Corvette camp, uh, there was a bit going on because the Ford fans out there that listened to the, um, the show uh, would recognise the name Larry Shinoda. He's the man that is responsible for the Boss Stripes and the Boss 429 and Boss 302 and actually responsible for the Boss name. Yep. Right? Um, because he used to call his boss, hey, boss. Yeah, right? okay. So, so um, he wanted to, you know, make all these radical styling changes to the Corvette and turn it into a, uh, a, a, turn it into a uh, supercar. And um, uh, him and Duntov didn't see eye to eye on this. Um, so he ended up leaving, went to Ford, and the boss mm. was born. So good thing that you know they didn't move forward with that. So uh, there was another version of the the uh, Astro uh, called the uh, uh, XP882, uh, which 
was uh, replacing the the two rotor XP897. So basically, Duntov got two of the two rotor because yeah, GM actually made it for all the rotary fans out there. Um, in the 70s, uh, 73 it was, GM was experimenting with um, rotary engine concepts and um, they had a two rotor engine and so Duntov being the hot rodder that he was, he bolted two of these two rotors to create the first four rotor and I'm sure that we're going to get hate mail over this but it is what it is <laughs> um, and, and this, this, uh, this particular four rotor displaced and this actually turns me on a little bit 585 cubic that's inches crazy, eh? <laughs> yeah. so, so that's like a 9 litre 4 rotor mm. um, and he had that bolted to an automatic and that was the XP882 project uh, which you know, once again, it was in the in the Corvette uh, era, and that morphed into the XP eight nine five, and then and then in eighty six they released the Indy concept, which had the thirty two valve five point seven liter engine, which I believe was a Lotus headed. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Uh, yeah. So like a small block Chev with Lotus four valve. Uh, cylinder heads on it and that engine got released in the ZL1 C4 mm. yeah right so th this thing was kind of to showcase that engine like a, a rolling uh, platform to, to show off the quad cam engine right um, and then in 1990 the serve 3 uh, concept was was um, built which used the twin turbo LT5 now uh, the LT5, was that the Mercury? That's correct. Yeah, yep. okay. So Mercury developed a quad cam uh, marine version mm. of, of the, um, uh, you know, small block Chev, yeah. LT-based uh, engine. And that, uh, well, was that the LS style? Was no. That, no it, was, it was still the conventional. Mm. Anyway, um, so we've had a lot of, um, you know, mid-engine Corvette uh concept cars over the years um the drawings that i've seen you know i've got to be honest with you i don't believe that they're leaked drawings i no. reckon someone's it's intentional no i, I reckon that, that someone's done them yeah okay and and, and it, you know because they just kind of look a bit too much like a ferrari yeah you know what I mean? I mean, look, it, 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 from a, uh, an engineering perspective, right, they've had the drivetrain for a while now because I don't know if you know this or not, the Corvette, the C7 and the C6 Corvette use, um, like, it's a concept that Lotus used and it's also most of the sports sedans running in Australia use this same concept. So it's called a torque tube, right? Mm, okay. So the engine's bolted at one end, yep. right? Um, and then there's a, there's a big long tube with a drive shaft running through it and the gearbox or transaxle yep. is bolted at the other end, right? To convert something like that into a mid-engine configuration is pretty simple because you just get rid of the torque tube pretty yeah. much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, traditionally, mid-engine cars have the engine, the diff, and then the transmission, Yep. right? Uh, the Corvette C7... Uh, you know lends itself that the drivetrain that they've got it lends itself pretty easy to do that so i don't think it would be you know it wouldn't be not cost effective for gm to do it 
you know, because they've already got the IRS independent rear suspension, mm. you know, there. They've had that since the 60s. Um, you know, the, uh, it's doable, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, for as long as the Corvette's been around, Vic Edelbrock's been around. So, yeah, unfortunately, he's not with news. us anymore. Mm. Um, it's interesting to note he uh, he passed away uh, from complications following a recent cold. And yeah. I believe Carol Shelby yeah, um, saying that. passed away the same way. Yeah. So, um, for, you know, the, those people out there that have got, uh, that listen to podcasts and uh, are elderly or uh, have got uh, elderly parents or grandparents mm. um, you know it's it's winter in Australia mm. um, I, I uh, lost my grandmother in similar situations so please take some time to make sure that you know your parents grandparents great grandparents are uh, warm enough over winter yeah. and um, you know uh, look after them mm. um, as much as you can well, just a couple of last shout-outs, actually. I went to, on Sunday, I actually took the X-Dub down to co- uh, Custom Cars and Coffee. We have to get Jason on this show. I was lax in organising it for this podcast, but I'd like to get Jason on for the next one. Uh, Jason is the event organiser. So if you're in the Perth metro or surrounding areas, go to their website, Custom Cars and Coffee, or Facebook page as well, and... Um, what they those guys do is awesome there was at least about 500 plus cars there on sunday and um it was a really good day actually emiliano was there as well with the camaro yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. what's what's he got now he bought the camaro there yeah no it was good to see him there that's what he's always wanted since high school he mm. said to me he wanted well he wanted a 57 but i actually prefer the 55 yeah yeah 55 is awesome yeah it's awesome so yeah we'll we'll have to get jason on Uh, it's a growing car culture this 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 show um custom cars and coffee it's a good concept you know by 11 30 12 o'clock you're done jumping back into the car and going home so no it was awesome and one last shout out this weekend june 16 17 and 18 at the um claremont showgrounds wa hot rod and sheet street machine show um get down there i'll be going down on the saturday afternoon not that it matters when i'm going but (laughs) anyway (laughs) nick will be there to sign autographs So yeah, get on get on down there. That's a good show. We've plugged it before on the podcast, so if you can get down there, that'll be great. Now, have you heard from Scott? I I did not post that. I did. I cut that out oh, for another for look, another day. Look, I'm, you look, know, this has got to go. <laughs> this has got to go up, Nick. This has got to go up. So right, so this is official. We spoke about this at our last podcast. I I, I got know. edited. I got edited. I can't <laughs> no, believe it. No, no, because I needed to speak to you. In, let, well, let's have the discussion now. So are we we going to do this? I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do it. So here's the thing, right? Um, Scott, who I have the utmost respect. And uh, we have a mutual friend in Harry Haig. Yep. Um, Harry being the Aussie Chevelle, mm. right? Um, Harry and I have, have known each other uh, for a long time. He's been a long-time all-fast customer. Yep. And um, uh, he speaks very highly of Scott. Scott followed Drag Week. Mm. And obviously, the Aussie Chevelle was the, the big performer. And yep. we, were, we were very happy with that because... You know, it runs an all-fast converter, so it yep. <laughs> means a lot. Getting back on the subject. Um, so, Scott, from what I can understand, from what you've told me, he's 
in conjunction with Street Machine. They mm. bought a uh, FG, FG, yeah. FG taxi, mm. right? And they're gonna fit a turbo, I, I guess, to That's it. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna build like you know representing, um, you know, because in Australia for those uh, listeners that you know aren't in Australia. Um, we have a tendency of racing four doors mm. and, and uh, you know, large four doors at that. And, and we <laughs> refer to them as taxis, you know, like the, the BA Falcons in particular. You know, we always joke about it like, you know, oh, that's a quick taxi or, you know. So they've literally bought a taxi. Yeah, this is a genuine taxi. This is a genuine yep. gas-fueled mm. uh, LPG or yep. propane, you call it in the US, mm. uh, fueled taxi. And, and they're going to turn it into a drag car. Now, the thing is, right, this is meant to, like, from what I can understand, it's meant to represent the people's car, you know, yeah. because this is the car of the people. Now, the thing is, though, right, for those of us that actually do use taxis, right, um, I haven't seen too many Falcon taxis for a while now, right? They generally tend to be Priuses and Camrys. Camrys and Priuses, right? yeah. Okay, so so Nick and I had a bit of a discussion and what we did was we jumped online and, and we looked up what's Australia's most popular car because if this is meant to be a car of the people, mm. right, it should represent what people drive, what, yep. right? So so Google Google told us that Australia's most popular car is a, a Toyota Hilux. Now, a Hilux isn't a car, it's a utility, <laughs> right? It's a utility vehicle. That's yep. what it's a U, right? So that's not, you know, let's just disregard that. So what's the, the second most popular car in Australia? It's Toyota Camry. That's correct. Toyota Camry, right? Mm-hmm. So this is according to Google. So if you read it on Google, right? It's true. Like, mm-hmm. like those LS engine builders out there. If you mm-hmm. read it on Google, it must be true, yep. right? You can make 10,000 <laughs> horsepower out of a stock bottom end LS, right? Because <laughs> it says it on Google. Anyway, so... What I reckon is that that someone needs to do a Camry to challenge this Falcon, right? And and I said to Nick, we should do it. Yeah. Talk and power mm. should do a Camry because a Camry is genuinely the people's car. Yeah. It's the Australian people's car. And and we should drive it across the Nullarbor and match race the guy, well, Scott, Scott and his crew from Street Machine. Now, I've been trying to get a hold of Harry Hake, yeah. right, uh, Aussie Chevelle. I've called him a couple of times because I don't know if he's got Scott's number or not, but, you know, I want to put it to Scott and say, hey, let's do this. Yep. Let's get, we'll get a Camry, right? So anyone out there that's got a V6 Camry, yep. right, I don't care what model it is, as long as it's V6 Auto, right, and they want to donate it to the cause, get in touch with us. Anyone who wants to throw in a turbo... Because we, well, we're probably going to use... Because I've got a bit of turbo stuff lying around. I think I think I got one there that I use as a wheel chock <laughs> to stop the door slammer rolling off the hoist. <laughs> I think it's off an XR6 turbo. So that's what I'm... That's a, this GD35-ish size yep. turbo. So, uh, But, you know, if you've got injectors or fuel pumps or... M, uh, what's, what's the joint that sells all the turbo stuff? MTQ? Yeah. If you guys... If any MTQ... Uh, staff listen to this show and you want to sponsor us some injectors or a fuel pump uh, an intercooler some some uh, <laughs> silicon tubing <laughs> hose clamps anything anything that we can use uh, to make this happen we'll be more than appreciative I'm sure that Nick will, uh, will put your logo on the website 100% no right? problem and, and, um, and you'll definitely get a plug yep. we'll plaster your name all over the car and we'll make sure that everyone 
from coast to coast, from the west coast to the east coast. From, what is it? From, from the Pacific to the Indian? Yep. Is, that, is that it? <laughs> right? Gets to know that you helped us make this happen. And, and yeah, that's like if Scott, Scott, if you hear this, this is, this is what we want to do. We want to match race you and, and we'll bring our people's car, right? And match race your people's car. You might be running on propane or LPG or whatever, but we'll be front wheel drive, bro. <laughs> right? We're going to do a front wheel drive V6 Camry versus, you know, our taxi versus your taxi. <laughs> All right, well, it's out there. I, I can't edit that on out. That's going to be too difficult. You better so. not. I'm no, not, no, no, I won't. I won't. Because yeah, I, I, I did. I, look, I only just got back, so I haven't had a chance to listen to the other podcast. But oh, I'm, yeah. Nah, no, no, I'm devastated. No, episode five was a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, you can listen to us on iTunes. We are on Podbean now. That is official. Podbean as well. So Android people, you can you can listen to us on Podbean. Also SoundCloud. Nick, Nick Podbean, mm. right? That sounds like something you make coffee with. Yeah, no, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> I use Podbean myself. I'm Android, so I use Podbean. It's quite good. Well, do you use the Nescafe version of the Podbean? Or, uh... No, Nespresso. Nespresso. George Clooney, mate. George can't Clooney. Can you see the greys coming through? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll put a line through this one. I don't want to digress too much. We'll talk about it the next podcast. JJ DeBoss from Memphis on Street Outlaws. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a three-hour podcast. I still haven't fish, finished listening to it yet. Wow. So, three hours. It was JJ DeBoss and his wife and uh, the chief and Murder Nova. God, it was hilarious. So. But uh, I'm going to. I'm actually going to binge over the weekend. I'm going to binge after I've come back from the uh, um, WA Hot Rod and Street Machine show. I'm going to catch up on my Street Outlaws because I've got about three or four episodes there. I haven't watched yet, so... <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening to us out there. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. Stay safe. Thanks for coming in, Simon. Thanks for having me, Nick. And uh, see you on the street. Keep cruising. <laughs> Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.